Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. He could have picked it on down. His big mistake, I think, was getting born. You want any work? Looking like that. You could try being a scarecrow. Oh, no. The crows are liable to scare him, maybe. Get three coffins ready. Uh, huh? Adios, amigo. Listen, stranger. Did you get the idea? We don't like to see bad boys like you in town. Go get your mule. You let him get away from you? <laughs> yeah, see, that's what I want to talk to you about. He's feeling real bad. Huh? My mule. You see, he got all riled up when you went and fired those shots at his feet. Hey, you making some kind of joke? Mm, no. You see, I understand you men were just playing around. But the mule, he just doesn't get it. Of course, if you were to all apologize... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's nice you laughing You see, my mule don't like people laughing It's the crazy idea you're laughing at him Now, if you apologize like I know you're going to I might convince him that you really didn't mean it I saw the whole thing. You killed all four of them. You'll pay all right. You'll be strung up. Who are you? Don't fire a shot. I'm John Baxter. Sheriff. Yeah. Well, if you're the sheriff, you better get these men on the ground. 
say, work orphans. And now... Hey, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again? Nothing up my sleeve. Presto! <laughs> no doubt about it. I gotta get another hat. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. Hi, this is Gary Patterson, president of Shelby American, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Power. Tuned in to Nostalgia Video Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google Tan Talk 1340.com, and you can see us live in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, golfstreammotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our past shows, 509, 510, somewhere around there, you can uh, check out our archive page, Nostalgic Video Cars. Good evening, Bobby. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Glad to be back here. And Tommy's behind the COVID 20. Uh, Big plate glass there. He's hiding. How you doing, Tommy? I'm just lovely. Just 521, lovely. I think it is. Yes, yes. 521 shows. Yeah. 521 shows? Yep, wow. Yeah, yep, I, I was going to, yeah. yeah. Well, if you were paying attention, Robert, you'd know these things. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, time flies when you're having fun. So, it's good to be back in the studio here in downtown Clearwater, because last week we did a live remote from Ford Lincoln of Ocala. Oh. Correct, Bobby? Yes, yes. And Bobby did a sensational job. Yeah, it was almost textbook perfect. And Tommy, excellent job. I mean, you know, we're up there with the uh, guys from Shelby American. Mm -hmm. Did you uh, get the A-team? The A-team. The A-team. Absolutely. Absolutely. Pat yourselves on the back, guys. And um, that's why we had uh, Gary Patterson do a a liner for us this morning or this evening, uh, you know, on our show, because Gary Patterson is a friend of mine, and he's now the president of Shelby American. Matter of fact, in the transporter was Gary's own personal 1968 Shelby GT500 four-speed in Highland Green. Yes, Highland Green's famous because of the movie Bullet, the 68 Mustang that was used in that movie. At any rate... You uh, could see that trailer from a mile away from the... Absolutely, Shelby American. And they had a whole bunch of really cool cars there. Um, Everything from the new prototype, the 2021 Shelby GT500 prototype with some cool stuff on it and uh gt350s gt350rs and what i didn't really realize is how popular the trucks are and they were telling me <laughs> we had matt on the show matt from shelby american and uh sh- the shelby trucks apparently sell three to four to one i had no idea and they're very expensive I and mean, they're hundred thousand dollar plus trucks but they're very fast, and they're Shelby trucks now, and they're built at Shelby American in Las Vegas. Now, Bobby, you were there a few years ago mm-hmm. with us, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm there usually uh, in November this time of year, and another month or two or three, when we would have SEMA. Although this year there's SEMA has been postponed till next year, so we won't say canceled. We'll just say postponed. At any rate, along with a number of other events. Well, because they might, they're looking into an alternative to have it, to have a, this is true. To have a virtual. In this what a lot of this stuff, what a lot of the car shows, and I want to give a big shout-out to the guys at Peterson Museum in California because they're really huge in this uh, 
um, virtual car show thing. And then our friends out in Monterey, because ordinarily, you know, a couple weeks ago would have been Monterey car show. So they did a bunch of virtual stuff, the guys at Pebble Beach. So that's kind of where this is all kind of heading out. Now, we, like I said, we do, there are some local shows going on. And, uh, and again, last week at, uh, at Ford and Lincoln of Ocala, um, they had a small car show there, so it was a two-day event. It was Tuesdays and Wednesday, and Tuesday they had a bunch of guys show up with uh, cars. In fact, we had a couple of kids come on our show, each of them owning uh, Mustangs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and again, you know, their families are involved with it. So, you know, it starts with the dad. Dad gets the kids involved. The kids get their friends involved, and everybody's involved in the cars, kind of like you mm-hmm. are, too, you know. So that's, how, that's what we want to do. We want to get kids, the younger generation, into it. And even though I'm into the vintage stuff, Bobby, fortunately, is into the vintage stuff, too, but he likes the newer stuff, too, because he is kind of techy. And these kids are kind of into the techy cars. So they get into the S195s and S197s, which is the mid-'90s cars and uh, the early 2000s cars and stuff. like. And those cars are really, really affordable right now. So you can buy those cars and step into them and soup them up, customize them, and have a great time. Get on the road and burn some rubber, man. And, oh, yeah, all these guys were stick guys, too. You know, nobody drives a, a little sissy shifter. You know, they drive uh, three-pedal cars. That's the deal, man. And uh, But it was a great turnout, great bunch of guys. We even had, uh, um, what was his name, Jeff, the guy from... Uh, the salesman? What was his yeah, name? Yeah, yeah, well. Hmm. Oh, my, my memory's wow. bad. Anyway, um, Pat. Pat was Pat, in it. Pat, 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 Pat did a very good job because you talked about the uh, big shout-out to Pat, big shout-out to our friends up there. Steve, uh, our Jim, uh, Rick Schmidt was there from <laughs> National Parts Depot. Big shout-out to National Parts Depot mm-hmm. if you ever need Mustang parts. Chevelle parts, Camaro parts, Ford truck parts even. Uh, give our buddies up there at National Parts Depot a shout-out. Um, Pete from Orlando Mustang, he was tuned in. And uh, so, you know, it was just a, it was, it was a pretty cool event. So a lot of the smaller events, you know, where you can kind of do the social distancing thing, you know, and not get up on top of each other, that kind of works, you know, especially if they're outdoor venues. Now, speaking of outdoor venues, uh, last weekend we also went to, or I did, went to Sumter County Fairgrounds for the swap meet. So that was cool. I mean, guys were just happy to get out there and do stuff. I mean, it was a, it was a small turnout, but it was a good turnout. I mean, I, usually when I go to these events, if I get one little item that I can use, something that I need, then for me it's basically a win-win deal. But there was a lot of guys there. But it was a, kind of a social thing, you know, networking, you know, buddies saying hi to everybody. It's kind of like, you know, if we all had a beer and we're standing around the tool shed, you know, a toolbox or the shop, you know, and uh, jaw jack, and that's kind of what it was about. You picture know, just, this. <laughs> picture this. Picture this, yeah. You're standing right <laughs> Right. And then uh, in the third, that's the first Sunday of every month is the Sumter County Fairgrounds swap meet, and that's cool. Um, got stuff to get rid of, whatever, you know. Um, and if you're looking for something. And then, of course, the third Sunday of every month up here in, uh, what is it, Brooksville, just south of Brooksville mm-hmm. off Ayers Road, is Leadfoot City's swap meet. And uh, that was a lot of fun. And that thing is growing. But the thing I like about that particular event is, is because, A, not only do they have the swap meet, they got a car show, they got cars for sale, but they got entertainment, motorcycles even. So that was pretty cool. And uh, so check out the Lipwood Cities deal. And That's, where do you find all this stuff? Where do you find all this stuff? You find it, well, on Nostalgic Green Cars, you can Google us, but... FLACarshows.com. Yeah. yeah. And they have... And there's and again, there's a lot of virtual car shows going on. A lot of guys are driving. A lot of guys are getting together in little small little groups and cruising, and that's good. And there's still a number of car shows that take place. Crystal River up there, for example, they're up there. I think it's what Saturdays, isn't there? Mm-hmm. They do their things up there at Wendy's. And I'm sure there's a lot of them going, going, a lot of smaller venues going on. The big ones, which where people are generally on top of each other, those have kind of been uh, postponed or uh, they're doing virtual. Well, and or they're they're doing virtual events. So that's that's one way to kind mm-hmm. of uh, work this thing out. Now we may 
in the future, kind of experiment with that a little bit. Yeah, because it's it's interesting. It's interesting. And Bobby, you're more in tune with the with the tech side, the Zoom, and how all that stuff works, right? Yep, yep, yep. But yep, yep. Uh, yeah, that's that's something we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna so look we're gonna into interviews with, that. with yeah. that and stuff like that. Now, let me just tell you what I did a couple weeks ago. Uh, the week before last, I had to, as you guys all know, that I do appraisals on cars. So that means I travel a little bit, or sometimes the cars come to me. So two weeks ago, I had to go up to Alabama, a little town called Eufalia, and uh, it's just north of Dothan, a ways. And so as I was diddy bopping up 19 in, uh, in the middle of darkness, in the very wee, 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 wee AM hours of the day, um, I could see a lot of stuff still sitting alongside of the roads, okay? And as you go north, you know, especially if you take the side roads, which is exactly what I did. I stayed off the interstate. The only time I was on the interstate was a little short stretch when I got up to Tallahassee, I-10, and then I went north in 27, and then I just got, kind of got lost. I kind of like Googled where I had to go. So, yes, did I find some cool cars? If you follow me on Facebook, you'll see some of this stuff. There was a Barracuda just disintegrated, but it was sitting in the weeds. I mean, literally in the weeds, okay? There's a picture of that. There was an old Mercedes. Uh, one or two Mustangs, a Ranchero, a couple 64 Galaxies. One, even on the window, it said 428 Cobra but naturally I had to pull over real quick and check that out. But it was a four-speed 390 car. And, uh, you know, it was a, 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 a Z-Code, which I think is a 394 barrel. And the other one was also a 390, but it was an automatic car. And so you really, the, the four-speed car is kind of rusty, the automatic car. But they are identical black cars. But I think 63 and a half Galaxy is a pretty cool-looking car. Uh, then I saw a 64 Galaxy, which I mentioned, the 68, 69 Ranchero. Couldn't get too close to that. I saw that from a distance. Uh, 69 Mustang sitting in the guy's garage. Uh, 47 Ford. Uh, countless Mustangs, obviously. A lot of trucks up there. A lot of old trucks. If you guys are looking for trucks, you need to kind of scour the countryside there between Georgia and Alabama. In fact, funny, funny little situation. I'm sitting there, and I pulled over, and I, and I saw the one car, and I rolled up in there. And I go to the guy, uh, can I look at the cars, look at the cars, and he took me around back and he showed me some other stuff that he had. And there was a hood laying up against the car. He says, yeah, I'm not sure how it got here, but one day it appeared. And it was a hood off uh, a Toyota. And I think it said the 20-something 50th, 50th anniversary of Daytona or whatever it was, something like that. So whenever that was. And um, NASCAR. So it was off whoever was racing Toyotas back in the day, which was probably Joe Gibbs and whoever the driver was. I'm not sure. I know today I think it might be Kyle Busch. But at any rate... He had some cool stuff. And then as I was getting ready to leave, I said, because uh, I kind of lost track of where I was at because I was just driving down the road. And when you rub a neck and looking left and right and all over the road, you kind of don't really pay attention to where you're at or signs. You just, you're just you only looking for, the only landmarks you're looking for are cars. And you're looking behind the woods, behind the sheds, all over the place, right? So I said to the guy, I said, hey, uh, um, kind of lost track of where I'm at. Am I in Alabama yet? And the guy looks up and he goes, boy, you're in Georgia. Alabama? is out there north. And I just got a big kick out of that because this guy's name was Kenny, super nice guy, good old boy, classic Georgia redneck. I mean, just really, really cool guy. Into his cars, and uh, he was out there. He had an old forklift I was actually looking at, an old Clark, a little small, tiny one that you can zip around in a warehouse. That was kind of a cool place. But when he said that to me, boy, you're in Georgia. I just laughed because it just, you know, it was just cool. It you was just, just thought you needed to get a map out there yeah, before yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, I mean, it, it would have been, it would have taken two seconds, shakes of a flash, how they say, 
And I could have just pulled my out. phone out and just gone, maps. But no, I asked because I just had to ask, you know. But it was cool. It was pretty far out, you know, because I really dig a southern accent. I think now it's kind of neat. Now you'll know when you're in Georgia. Now I'll know when I'm in Georgia. But anyway, so there was a lot of stuff. And as I was cruising through there, it was pretty cool. In fact, you know what? On the way back, I took some side roads and I went through Chattahoochee, Florida. I went through uh, Quincy. I went through Monticello. Number of those. And I was amazed at how many. In fact, I think it was outside of Quincy. There was an old, if you go to my Facebook page, there's a picture of it. There was a really cool, completely 100% laid out golf garage with the neon sign on the roof, all the stuff, the pumps, the globes, the air uh, air pumps, the, you know, on the outside with the hoses, uh, inside, all the stuff, all the racks, all the signs. Really, really cool piece. It was an old gas station that somebody had restored. Absolutely incredible. There was no cars in there, but just everything was there. So, And then the funny part was it says... Uh, open for business. But of course, this was on a Sunday night or Saturday evening, whenever it was, so they weren't open. There was another place I stopped to, it was, uh, forget which little town, oh, yeah, it was Chattahoochee. And there was a guy, was Sinclair pumps, all done up really, really nice, the taller ones, not the, the globe ones like out of the 20s, but the, out of the 30s style. Just cool stuff. I mean, it's just, it's Americana. A few years ago, we had, or last year, we had our good friend Ken Breslauer on from uh, Sebring. And Ken, didn't he do a, a book, or we talking about, we had roadside attractions mm-hmm. in Florida. And I just remember growing up as a kid, you know, just driving up and down these side roads, US 19, 27, 301, 41, 441, you know, up and down the East Coast, US 1. Just amazing stuff. And when you go back and you see this stuff, it's really cool. Retro nostalgia is in, guys. In fact, there was an old building, I mean, and countless buildings I saw, but you couldn't always get to them. And obviously, I didn't want to get shot. So, you know, I had to kind of watch my P's and Q's a little bit. But there was this really cool old building, and I saw it on the side of the road, and it had Coca-Cola written on the side of it. It was a wooden building. Now, if I'd have had a chainsaw and my other truck with me, I probably would have gone to the owner and said, can I cut the whole side of your building out, put it on my truck and bring it back? Because it was just cool. It was kind of faded. It was just really neat looking. I mean, it was just, you know. And then I looked inside the building. The building was caving. It was dilapidated. And it was an old uh, Coca-Cola, you know, the like the big um, freezers in there that you pull your soda pop can, soda pop uh, uh, bottles out of. Uh, just just a, some old signs. But again, you know, it was on private property. I was, you know, just kind of walked up there, but it had a for sale sign on it. And I think I wrote the for sale sign down probably, so I should follow up on it. But anyway, it's just really, really cool. If you get out, just drive. You know, take your old car out, drive. But if you got a few days to do nothing, you know, take a cruise up to North Florida and Georgia and Alabama. It's a pretty, pretty country. Southern hospitality, can't beat it. It's really cool. Southern food, it's cool. Although I hit Cracker Barrel when I'm mm-hmm. on the road. That's my <laughs> safe haven. But anyway, on that note, I think Tommy's going to uh, go to a commercial break here real quick, and then we're going to fire up the stereo again, and then we're going to come on with our special guest for the evening because there's a lot of car stuff still going on, even though it's digital. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Green of Cars. Here's a little Jeff Healy. Hey, don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Come 
enjoy the best brews in Tampa Bay at Dunedin Brewery. Known as Florida's oldest microbrewery, they are always working to create a unique variety of craft beers for every taste. In addition, Dunedin Brewery features a full menu, including everything from their famous wings, burgers, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget about their live music, including the Wednesday Night Players Jam. That's Dunedin Brewery, 937 Douglas Avenue in downtown Dunedin. Visit them online at dunedinbrewery.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Okay, we're back from the tunes and nostalgic radio cars. Now, I forgot to mention to you that the the car that I went up to to appraise in Alabama. Oh yeah, that'd be important. Yeah, was a one owner family stayed in the family since since day one, 1955 Austin Hilly 104. Now my first car was a 65 Austin Hilly 3000 MK3, but this was a 1955, so this car was like 10 years earlier than mine. So looked at the car, extremely solid. Well maintained. The car had been restored, but it wasn't. It was restored like something like 25, 30 years ago, and so the paint was old. It looks like it might have been even done in lacquer, which is probably what they would have done 30, 40 years ago. And but it was in incredible condition. And uh, the miles on that car, I think, were just a little over 100,000. So the guy that he, the gentleman that owned it, took delivery of it while he was stationed in Germany in 1955. It even had the original bill of sale. He paid $2,200 and change for 1955 Austin Hill, which was a lot of money back in the days. Keep in mind, this is 1955. While he was a private uh, stationed in the military, in Frankfurt and Mines. Now, this is where I go with this. Provenance, paperwork, documentation is all extremely important. The fact that it's one owner in the same family since new, these are kind of things that people look for. I mean, this is kind of, you know, it's rare to find one in this condition. Usually they're more or less like survivor condition, but either or. The fact that there's a chain of history and this car was in the same ownership for all these years adds a premium to the value of a car. You know, so, you know, if it's a one owner car, two owner car, and you get all the paperwork, all the documentation, absolutely. And these are the kind of cars you have to keep original. If you find a car that's, you know, an older car, let's say you found the Healy, and like a friend of mine just picked up a Austin Healy Bug Eye Sprite, been sitting around for a long time, no motor, no training. Well, now that car, you can either restore the car or you can modify it and go kind of crazy with it, okay? Uh, don't put a Subaru motor in it, but I mean, you know, you can put a, a little bit bigger engine, hotter engine in it, you know. And um, a little bigger Austin Healy motor or something like that out of a Sprite out of the mid-60s or something like rather than a small motor. The peanut motor, as they call it. But it, but nonetheless, you know, so, and it doesn't matter whether it's a Mustang, a Camaro, or any car like that. You know, if the car's original, you want to keep it as close to original as possible as possible, especially if the car's got, you know, history, provenance, and all that other good stuff. If the car's just kind of like a beater project car, hey, pot's luck is, uh, uh, you know, anything anything goes, so to speak. Just it, The car just has to put a smile on your face. On that note, I think Tommy's going to go ahead and fire up the stereo again, and we're going to get our guest on the show because we got a special guest coming on this evening. He's also a real serious car guy with some interesting history. He's a racer, uh, you know, pretty cool stuff. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgia Radio Cars. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back.
What are you getting at? Oh, man, can't you see? It's all ours. We don't go back to Durango at all. Savvy? Not at all. I don't follow you, Dobsey. Oh, don't be such a sap. Where did you ever grow up? All right, to make it clear to a dumb head like you, we take all his goods and go straight up north and leave the old jackass flat. You aren't serious, are you? You don't really mean what you're saying. Fred C. Dobbs don't say nothing he don't mean. As long as I'm here and can do anything about it, you won't touch a single grain of the old man's goods. I know exactly what you mean. You want to take it all for yourself and cut me out? No, Dobbs. I'm on the level with the old man, just as I'd be on the level with you if you weren't here. Get off your soapbox, will you? You only sound foolish out here in this wilderness. I know you for what you are. For a long time, I've had my suspicions about you. Now I know I've been right. Suspicions are you talking about? Oh, you're not putting anything over on me. I see right through you. For a long time, you've had it in your mind to bump me off at the first good opportunity and bury me out here in the bush like a dog. So she could take not only the old man's goods, but mine in the bargain. And when you get to Durango safely, you'll have a big laugh, won't you? Thinking how dumb the old man and I were. You make another move towards me and I'll pull the trigger. Come on, get your hands up. Come on, get them up! Was I right or was I? You and your Sunday school talk about protecting people's goods. You. Come on, stand up and take it like a man. Come on, get up! Let go of it. Cards are dealt the other way now, Dobbs. Yeah. Now well, listen to me. I Dobbs. listen to you. Look, you're all wrong. Not for a moment did I ever intend to rob you or do you any harm. It's just like I said. I'd fight for you and yours just the same as I'd fight for the old man's. If you really mean that, give me back my gun. My pal. Wouldn't it be better the way things are to separate tomorrow? Or even tonight? That would suit you fine, wouldn't it? Why me more than you? Say so you could fall on me from behind, sneak up and shoot me in the back. I'll go first. And wait for me on the trail, ambush me. Why wouldn't I do it right here and now if I meant to kill you? I'll tell you why. Because you're yellow. You haven't got nerve enough to pull the trigger while I'm looking you straight in the eye. If you think like that, there's nothing to do but to tie you up every night. <laughs> Hi everyone, Justin Bell here, race car driver turned TV and web host. I'm still trying to work out what that means. Anyway, I am the co-host of the talk show with Tommy Kendall around all the IMSA races. And right now, we're on Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back. You are tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. And this gentleman is the director of the Saratoga Motor Cars Auction. And he's also involved with the Sarasota Cars the Museum. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Bill Wyndham. Bill, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing fine. A little tired, but, uh, you know, we're two weeks away from the auction, and with all the guidelines with COVID, we've been dancing on thin ice, but uh, we're going to get there. So tell us a little bit about the uh, Saratoga uh, auction, motor car auction. Now, this is what, the third or fourth year that you've had this event up this there? Will be, yeah, it's our fourth year. Uh, in a regular year, we'd have a two-day auction, both Friday and Saturday, but because of the COVID guidelines, we're going to be forced to do it in one day. Normally, we have between 350 cars entered this year. The max that we can get done uh, through the auction 
is probably right around 250 cars. So it'll be a long day. It'll be a nine-to-nine day for sure. Interesting. Now, I was reading on some of the cars that are going through there, and I guess the highlight of the auction is the uh, 57 Plymouth from uh, the movie Christine, right? Yeah, that's that's one of the uh, many uh, uh, highline cars or cars that are getting people's attraction that we're having. Yeah, for sure. And it's the real deal. It's not a car like a, a Batmobile replica. It's it's the real car that was in the movie. We have all the documentation that uh-huh. uh, illustrates that. How many cars did they have in the? Uh, how many um, Plymouths did they use in that movie? Uh, from the background that we got in the documentation, it, it appears there were four mm-hmm. four cars used. Yeah. Okay. What are some of the other cars that are uh, highlighting your uh, your auction? Uh, one of the highlight cars is Don Yanko's uh, Daytona Corvette that he ran in 1975. Okay. Ran against the factory BMWs and Porsches. Ran against my former employee Brumos and Peter Gregg Hurley Haywood, and. Uh, that's a car that has never been off. Well, hasn't been offered for sale since Jerry Thompson and Don Yanko drove it in '75. Oh wow! Totally restored car, and it ran as high as third place uh, before they ran into some aerodynamic issues. But it was uh, a sister car to John Greenwood's Batmobile Corvettes. It's with the big fenders uh, to support all the wide tires, and it was basically a Chevrolet Skunk Works car. Uh, that a lot of the uh, engineering and technology that went into it uh, was secretly supplied by General Motors. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, because there was a gentleman that uh, was around back then, and I think he's still around today, but does the name Gib Huffstetter ring a bell? No, it doesn't. Okay, well, he was one of the guys that was uh, secretly involved, you know, walking around with the trench coats and with car parts <laughs> inside, and he was uh-huh. uh, secretly involved with Skunk Works. A lot of people aren't aware of that, but uh, all the manufacturers, all the big three, Ford, GM, Chrysler, you know, they had uh, their kind of like the front door sponsorship, and then there was always the yep. secret back door stuff that was going on. Yeah, yeah. as you well know, Jim Hall was famous for being Chevrolet's uh, Skunk Works team. Oh, yeah. Of- all the uh, engineering that went into his cars uh, really came out of Detroit. So now, you mentioned that you raced back in the day. So mm-hmm. tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about your racing background. Well, uh, racing myself, I started in Formula V and then progressed to Formula Ford. Mm-hmm. And uh, when Jules Villeneuve was one of my heroes, I made it to Formula Atlantic but I didn't have the budget to really continue there. Uh-huh. Uh, so that was sort of the end of my driving career. But in the meantime, I had worked for Roger Penske uh, on his race team. Uh, I worked on the Indy team. I did the North American Formula One races. I did some NASCAR with Bobby Allison. Uh, we did the IROC series. Back then, you know, we had 12 guys uh, in the shop, 12, 14 guys. And we ran the whole program, two IndyCars, NASCAR, IROC, uh, all out of that shop. Now they've got 12 engineers on each one of their racing cars. Now, you're talking about this is when you were with Penske? Yes, yes. That would have been 76 through, like, uh, 81. Okay. Um, So what was it like working for Roger Penske? The captain, Uh, as they call him. Yeah, the captain, RP, uh, Mr. Penske. However you referred to him, I was very young when I got started. I was very fortunate. I started at 21, and my first role with Penske was 
to promote the 91730 uh, Can-Am Porsche. With, with Donahue? Uh, Ro- yeah, Ro- yeah, Roger had, uh, Donahue was in Europe, and he had just uh, lost his life in Austria. Oh. And Sunoco, who had been a sponsor for years for Roger, was coming out with a new do-it-yourself motor oil called Can-2 Motor Oil. And what they did, because basically the 91730 was outlawed in the Can-Am series, it just decimated the Can-Am series, is we really didn't have a use for the car. So Roger and Mark decided that uh, they were going to attempt to break the world, ski- world speed record and close the world speed record, and they did indeed accomplish that. And uh, my first role with them was to take the car as a sponsor liaison between a r- racing team and Sunoco, around the country and while doing that we were always short of pick crew members so if it was a nascar race an indycar race uh if it was iraq uh, whatever you were on board working for roger uh there were no calendars and no time clocks i can assure you that <laughs> was the pay very good uh not for the hours you put in but again he's been my mentor ever since uh i try to you know, run my life uh, the way Roger instructed uh, everyone, you know, uh, effort equals results. And that has always been his mantra. Effort and, equals uh, results. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was difficult to go to work for anybody else after having worked for Roger. I can tell you that. Uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, you sort of you move on. You've been to that track 12 times. It's time to do something else. Was Judy Stropus working for him back then when you were there? He was. Yeah, she was. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. See, that's a small world. Yes. The world's a very small world. Yeah. Um, interesting. Okay, so then after Penske, where'd you go from there? You were involved with, uh, obviously, Brumos. So was that yeah, Brumos later before? Yeah, I was in Brumos. I, after I left there, I had a friend that uh, I had met through my driving days who inherited uh, a lot of money from a business his father owned and passed away. And he took the the money that was, you know, willed to him, and he bought a Porsche Audi dealership in Reading, Pennsylvania, where we were based out of at the time. Mm-hmm. And he asked me to come in and run the uh, Porsche Audi dealership. So I was a GM uh, there for, I guess, four or five years. He was into vintage racing as well, so I helped with the vintage racing program that he had. Mm-hmm. He had 935s and, you know, Ferrari F40s and that kind, that kind of car. Interesting. Well, now, when see, isn't Ray Hall, isn't he out of Pennsylvania, too? Doesn't he have a couple dealerships there? Ray Hall, yeah, Ray Hall outside of Harrisburg and in Pittsburgh has quite a few dealer franchises. Mm-hmm. But he's based out of, uh, his home base is Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Always has been. Okay. Yeah. Um, so who? So when you were with the, uh, with when did you go from, make that transition from that dealership in, in uh, Pennsylvania to, uh, to Brumos? Uh, it was about, Three years into my tenure, I uh, I had always been a fan of Brumos, and if you know historically Peter Gregg and that you know uh, that fifty nine car and Hurley Haywood back when I was with Penske, they were kicking everybody's butt in the IMSA series, mm-hmm. uh, and you know racing Al Holbert was pretty competitive with him, and again John Greenwood, but I always viewed them as really the face of Porsche in the United States through all the racing successes and thought it would be an honor, you know, to work for them. Uh, and, you know, uh, uh, Ray Schaefer and I mm-hmm. hooked up, 
and uh, Ray hired me. But it was interesting. When you worked for Brumos Porsche, everybody had some sort of racing background. It was affiliated. If it was sales, if it was technicians, uh, if it was parts people, you know, they all had a racing background. And, of course, Hurley uh, was, the you know, the figurehead of the operation as well. Uh, he was there at the office nearly every day. Was Snodgrass there when you were there? Snodgrass was there, yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah, Brumos. He was, a t- he was a tough old bird to work for, too, believe me. <laughs> uh, well, the thing about Brumos is, like, um, Peter Schutz, who was the president of Porsche, yeah. I think, from 1981 yeah. till yeah. 87, 88. So I had the pleasure of meeting him. I actually went to Germany in 1881, and... Uh, I was on the. Uh, I used to go with a friend of mine. that had a company called Fastlane Travel, and they used to do these special tours to the Porsche factory. Mm-hmm. So we became friends in eighty, and then eighty one. I was invited to go back with him as an interpreter because I speak German because I lived in Europe in the sixties when I was uh-huh. a kid. So uh-huh. I actually had the opportunity to meet Ferry Porsche and Dr. Ferry wow. and and uh, and Peter Schutz. And because Peter Sontag, who owns Fastlane Travel was mm-hmm. really good friends with I actually got to sit at the head table with those guys. So boy, oh boy. here now and this is nineteen eighty one and I was in my early twenties. I did not really realize who I was in the midst of at the time. You know, you stop to think about that, you know, you talk a little bit and because I speak German and Peter Schutz speaks mm-hmm. German and Peter Sontag obviously is Austrian as well. And so we're all talking language. We're not and we're talking language. We're not really thinking about who they really are. They're just another guy like like the rest of us are. And then yeah. I never got an autograph. I never got a picture with them. And I look back in retrospect now and I said, boy, was that stupid. And uh, because I'm a huge Shelby fan. So I had the opportunity, and mm-hmm. I'm one of the state reps for the Shelby Club. So I you know, kind of used to see Carol Shelby around, and he's been on my show. Mm-hmm. And we talk, Matter of fact, Peter Schuss has been on the show as well. And uh, so, but, but I look back and I go, wow. So I, I had this connection with Porsche, which is very partial mm-hmm. to me. And I also have this mm-hmm. connection with Shelby. But Brumos was Porsche's, let's just say, pet dealership in the United States, yep, just like absolutely. you said. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, it was, you know, there were probably more posters that were produced by the factory to hang in showrooms that had Brumos logos uh, hanging on their cars than any other racing car uh, uh, that Porsche supported or had uh, factory connections to, that's for sure. All right, now then from there, you uh, you got involved with RM auctions. Tell us a little bit about that, how that took place. Yeah, I uh, actually, there was a little gap in between where I have a home in Montana and I have an office in it, mm-hmm. and I went to college there, and I just, you know, I wanted to go back to the mountains for a while, and I became a Highline buyer uh, for a big Pacific Northwest dealer group that mm-hmm. had BMW and Porsche Mercedes-Benz franchises. And my role there was to travel around the country to the Mannheim Highline auctions and purchase inventory. So I really got into the auction industry that way. Okay. Uh, And uh, then I had an opportunity uh, through some connections. I was always a collector car guy, always into collector cars. My uncle owned a British restoration shop with me growing up. So my passion was, was... Primarily European sports cars. Okay. But I had a connection uh, with the RM Auctions America group and uh, was offered an opportunity to come on board and be based. Uh, my office is based out of Auburn, Indiana. They have offices in Paris, they have offices in, in uh, London, San Francisco, uh, Los Angeles, Toronto, and are probably the, you know, the most respected of the major classic car auction companies in the world. So uh, 
it was I've just been very lucky, you know, again to to work for the premier Porsche dealer, uh, Roger Pinsky, and have the experience of working with the folks at RM Sotheby's. Uh, very, very lucky because they are the best of the best. Now, what was it like? How long were you with uh, Auctions America or RM? I was with them for three years. Okay. So then you work with Donnie and uh, Gould? And... Oh, Donnie, yeah. Donnie was my mentor. Okay. He was my Roger Pensky. Really? <laughs> for sure. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, uh, that, that guy, yeah, he, he, he's, again, he's, he's the best in the business, and there's nobody he doesn't know. Uh, he's a big Shelby guy too. That's that's kind of where uh, Donnie time. and I know each other. Yeah. yeah, Donnie can recite Shelby CSX numbers off the top of his head. He can <laughs> tell you where every Cobra is in the country or the world. Just he about. Is, uh, yeah, yeah. All right, then you got uh, you teamed up there. You got buddy buddies with Ramsey. Uh, Ramsey, I just met a couple years ago. You can't miss him. You see him at RM auction. All he's you know got his mm-hmm. big hat on. And everything like real personable yeah. guy. Super, super. In fact, how Ramsey and I go back. 30 years uh, really? back into racing and uh, and uh, I was at uh, our auction uh, in uh, Scottsdale three years ago mm-hmm. but I actually saw him I went over to the David Gooding auction for a preview and I saw Ramsey in the tent I said Ramsey what are you doing here and he said I'm interviewing with David Gooding uh, to for become a specialist I said no you're not you're coming to work for me so I was the one who actually hired him, and uh, he's his own brand, and I'm so proud of what he's accomplished. Ramsey was very successful in his own right in business prior to getting into the auction business. But, uh, yeah, he's his own brand, and I'm really proud of uh, how quickly he's become a figure of the RM group, for sure. So what did he do before he he came to work for RM? He was a big executive with Aflac down in, he was like a Southeast regional uh, manager, managed hundreds of uh, people, and uh, he got cancer and really, was, it was very, very serious. And after he got, uh, uh, was told that he's good to go and, and, and got through it, he said, I'm going to take the rest of my life. I'm going to pursue my passion, and that's classic cars. Wow. So that's how that whole thing came about. But, yeah, he was a top-level executive with Aflac. Interesting. Aflac. <laughs> exactly. Can't, can't, can't exactly. Pay, can't, I couldn't miss that opportunity. <laughs> but yeah. uh, All right, so then how did you get um, – so when you left RM, is that when you're, you're, uh, you started getting involved with the Sarasota, uh, Saratoga motor car? Saratoga. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people say Saratoga. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I just did myself. It comes off your lips that way, especially if people are down in Florida, you know. But what had happened was uh, Rob Myers, who runs RM, uh, had decided to uh, close the Auction America, which was was a sister company of RM. And was really actually, uh, Rob was a partner with Donnie Gould and a gentleman by the name of Ed Kepron. And Donnie had really got his experience through the cruise auctions that were held in Auburn uh, prior to they coming in and taking over when cruise went uh, underwater. So uh, when they decided they were going to do away with the auction uh, America franchise, you know, I was sort of, well, you know, am I going to go to Canada or that was where the office was going. And I, I, I was sort of burned out. Uh, uh, I had like eight specialists working for me and we did eight to 12 auctions a year. So I decided to go back to uh, Montana for a while 
And then I got, and I think it might have been through Ramsey, but I got a phone call from a headhunter in New York City that said that, uh, would you have interest in getting back into the auction business? The Saratoga Motor Car Auction is, through the Saratoga Auto Museum is looking for a uh, auction director. Would you be interested? And I had friends that were in the thoroughbred racing business that had always talked about the beauty of, of Saratoga. So I said, well, I'll, I'll talk to them. And ultimately, uh, we came together on a deal, and, and uh, here I am. Interesting. Now, Saratoga itself is kind of a unique area. It's probably best known for two things. One, the horses, and secondly, uh, a little phrase in the song, You're So Vain, from uh, Carly Simon, right, which we talked mm-hmm. about earlier. So yeah. tell us yeah. a little bit about this, the, the Sarasota, Saratoga Museum, <laughs> the Automobile Museum, and then its connection with you and the auction. Yeah, yeah. The Saratoga Audio Museum, uh, the building that we utilize to display all the cars, in fact, right now we have Rob Dyson's racing collection. So that's right up my line. And a lot of Rob's street cars. And if you like Cobra, he has an all-original 289 Cobra that we have uh, in the museum. But it's situated in the Saratoga, (coughs) Saratoga State Park, which is surprisingly right in the middle of town. It's, uh, a 500-acre square uh, state park, which houses two golf courses. And it's a real recreational area. And and back uh, when the Works Progress Administration uh, took effect after the Depression, they built up all these beautiful buildings in the park for people to come from the city. And it had a reputation of uh, curing people's ills because we have so many springs with mineral waters and so on and so forth. In fact, you can walk around the park and there's four or five places where you can actually fill your water bottles uh, with spring water. It's it's really great. And so the museum was a bottling works. And uh, I, I don't know, probably 30 or 40 years ago they closed it up. And uh, somewhere along the way it has is, is, is gone through different uh, renditions, and uh, but the museum has been there, I think, for somewhere around twelve or thirteen years. And the purpose for the auction is is it's the largest revenue generator for the uh, museum and to maintain its existence. Uh, so that's that's the motivation be behind it. It's uh, you know it's a nonprofit. Uh, and uh, particularly in, in certain times, raising uh, money for nonprofits is very difficult. So my responsibility, you know, it's a little pressure for sure, is to main, make sure that that uh, museum stays open. So that's my role. I have a very, very small staff. We rely on, a no, in a normal year, uh, to stage the event of somewhere close to 250 volunteers. And in, without the volunteers, uh, there would be no way that we could afford to put an auction on of this level uh, because we just don't have the full-time staff. That's when I when I got hired, I said, well, how many staff am I going to have? You know, coming from RM, <laughs> there's 50 people in marketing and, and, and doing all the backgrounds and writing uh, descriptions and taking photographs, and you have 10, 12 guys chasing cars. When I ask them how many staff members I have, and they said one. No, oh. <laughs> my administrative assistant. And I said, "How in the world am I going to pull this off? You know, three hundred fifty, four hundred cars." But it's because of the volunteers, <clears throat> the volunteers, and the marketing people, 
uh, graphic arts people that generally spend nine months out of the year promoting the museum, uh, they go into high gear with me three months prior to the auction. How many cars do they usually have on display at the museum? I'm going to say somewhere between 25 and 30, depending on what the theme of the exhibition is. Okay. But right now, we got Dan, one of Dan Gurney's early Eagles, okay. uh, Indy cars. We have one of Jack Brabham's early uh, Coopers, world championship cars. Uh-huh. Uh, and again, they're all owned by Rob Dyson. We have Dyson's 962. Uh, we, have, we have a couple of his ALMS uh, prototype cars. Uh, so yeah, real variety. Excellent. So if people want to find out more about the uh, the uh, Saratoga Motor Car Auction as well as the museum, mm-hmm. how do they go about doing that? Uh, in one of two websites, uh, Saratoga Motor Car Auction dot org, uh, or Saratoga Auto Museum dot org. Okay, and the auction is going to be live, so anybody can pre-register, and then That's basically bid on the cars. Exactly. You can be live. We're going to limit it this year because we have to, uh, social distancing. So only bidders and consigners will be actually live at the event itself. However, having said that, and from talking to all my friends in the auction industry, we're pretty much experiencing the same thing. There's been a tenfold increase in interest through phone bidding and internet bidding. because some of the states have to quarantine. If you come from some of the states, you have to quarantine for four days in the state of New York. Oh, We're really? fortunate that all the states that surround us, uh, that touch the state of New York, they're all clean and can come in. But, you know, I, I bring in my auction team and staff. I bring in additional uh, admin staff uh, to help me with the actual production. And uh, it's been a real challenge because a lot of them are in Indiana or in other states where... Uh, theoretically, you're forced to quarantine, so we've found some loopholes and ways to uh, make it happen. Well, that's good. So it sounds like it should be a pretty good auction. You've got somewhere around 250 cars that are going to be auctioned off yep. this, uh, yep. in two weeks. And, okay. Yep. Well, that sounds good. And you know what? You're, you're in a beautiful part of the, t- the upstate New York there. It's uh, uh, Saratoga. I think. How far are you from Lake Placid? Uh, I'm about two and a half hours, but you're right. I mean, once you go north from Saratoga Springs, you can go up by Lake George, take Route 9, take it all the way up to uh, Lake Champlain, and mm-hmm. uh, you can cross over into Burling, Vermont, or you can, you know, you can go west and go to Lake Placid. So, and if you're a car buff, there's some just wonderful, I thought the best roads in the world were in Montana. Uh-huh. So there's some great roads up along the Adirondacks up in that area to take your sports car and really enjoy it. Super. Well, Bill, I want to thank you very much for hanging out with us here at Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Yeah. I wish you all the best with the uh, Saratoga Motor Car Auction. And, uh, you know, and the best of luck also with the museum. And, uh, yeah. you know, if you ever need some help here in Florida, need some cars, something checked out, please keep me in mind. Hey, I really appreciate that. In fact, you know, once this COVID thing's over next year, I might be taking you up on that. (laughs) Okay. Very good. There's a lot of stuff around here, so, you know, I might know something that might might just work for you. But anyway, again, Um, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, oh, my goodness. I mean, uh, Florida, New England, and California, that's where they're at. That's it. All right, Bill. Well, thank you very much again, and uh, say hi to everybody up there. I'm sure we have some mutual friends, and uh, look forward to meeting you someday. Okay. Yeah, me too. And thanks for uh, giving me the opportunity to speak with you tonight. Very good. Thank you. Best of luck. You bet.
Hey, listeners, I want to thank my special guest, Bill Windham, the director of the Saratoga Motor Car Auction. It's in two weeks on the 18th or 19th, somewhere in there. And uh, all the information's online, saratogamotorcars.com, right? Saratogamotorcarauction.com. So, well, you know, be on the lookout. Go check out uh, some of these uh, old roads in southern good old United States. Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Carolinas. There's a lot of cool treasures out there yet. In the meantime, I want to see some of you guys out on the road. See maybe some of the car shows. Don't forget, Leadfoot City, every third Sunday of the month. Sumter, every first Sunday of the month. Tune in every Tuesday here on the Talk Radio Network between 7 and 8 p.m. Tell your friends, follow us on Facebook, all the uh, social media. Check out our website, GolfStreetMotorsports.com. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.